like that. You want to try Hello, everybody, and welcome that. to like this Wednesday back. edition of the Logan Blackman Show. Hello, everybody. I hope you are having a good uh, midway point to your week, and I hope this episode is able to boost your already substantial, some just some great, great stuff coming for you on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, and I hope you're ready for it. So, before we get into today's show, let's go over some of the housekeeping items first. Make sure you follow the Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being the Logan Blackman Show one. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow and like the Facebook page. Check out a few blog posts, check out a few videos on there as well. And then, of course, once again, you're listening to it right now. The only way you know what I'm saying is if you're listening to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts. So make sure you are subscribed to both or just one if you don't have the other. And then make sure you leave a five-star rating on them both. And then leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. You can leave a one-star rating, you can leave a five-star rating. I don't care, just as long as you leave a description down below. I would just greatly appreciate it. Now, we had some big-time football going on this weekend. Ugh. Long-winded intro. Long-winded intro. But you know what? It's all worth it because now we know who is playing in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 57, as we deciphered last Friday. Because remember, I'm an expert at Roman numerals. You remember this. I'm an expert. I learned Roman numerals like 1 through 12 when I was a kid. So again, we have that clock on the fireplace. So now, of course, I know what the number 57 is. So... We have the Eagles taking on the Chiefs, and from what I saw today, the the geez, the Philadelphia Eagles are rocking their midnight green uniforms, which I did not I did not know that's what they were called until today. I was really unaware of what that was called. So midnight green, because you know they obviously got the Kelly green uniforms, which are going to make an appearance, apparently going to make an appearance next year at some point, which I know everybody's excited for and should be excited for because those uniforms back when like Randall Cunningham was there and Reggie White. Like, that is one of the greatest uniforms of all time. Pretty sure Michael Vick made his Eagles debut as a star. Like, his first, like, post-Donovan McNabb era in Philly, I'm pretty sure the first game Michael Vick played in, post-Donovan McNabb, when Kevin Cobb got hurt against the Packers, I think that was they were wearing the Kelly Green uniforms, which, again, is a beautiful uniform. So that means, of course, the Chiefs are wearing white. And we know, like, the past however many years, it feels like the team in white usually wins the Super Bowl. Is that, is that something that I made up, or is that something that's actually factual? I feel like that, it's something I could Google fairly easily, but it it feels like the team that wears white wins more often than not, doesn't it? Apart from, you know, the Bills in the 90s. But other than that, other than that, just the first one. Just the first one. They wore their home colors in the, the other Super Bowls, but uh, the first one they missed white, right? That one, they wore the white uniforms. But we're not here to talk about the Bills because they didn't make the play. They didn't make it this far. They didn't make it this far. We're going to talk about the team they could have played and the team they lost to. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals with Kansas City Chiefs. We want to start off with this game first because this game was the most exciting one. Not really competing with a whole lot with the first game, but it was easily the most exciting game we had this week. And unless I didn't know like any of the college basketball or NBA scores or WNBA scores that were going on right now, maybe there was a more exciting game, but this Chiefs-Bengals game was one of the more highly anticipated playoff matchups we've had in a very long time. I would imagine it was just up there with the excitement a lot of people had for the Bills-Chiefs game last year in the playoffs. Like, everybody was so pumped up for it. They were so riled up for this game. Like, it's going to be the game of the weekend. Like, I was watching a few friends on Sunday night, and they were like, this is the Super Bowl. Or a Super Bowl. Like, a version of a Super Bowl. Because, really, a lot of people view the Chiefs and Bengals as two of the top teams in the NFL, if not the two top teams in the NFL. Because the team that won in the NFC side of things 
has kind of been taking a, I don't know what you want to call it. I don't want to call it a backseat pass to all the other teams in the NFL. But when you see, like, playoff rankings, like, a team they just beat was widely considered to be one of the Super Bowl favorites. But there was reasons why they didn't end up winning in that game. We'll talk about that again in a little bit. Or one of the reasons why they didn't win the game. I'm not going to say it's the reason, but one of the main reasons they lost that game. But for this Bill, this Bengals-Chiefs game, uh, frustrating as hell. Frustrating as hell. And I know I said the Bills didn't make this far, but watching that first drive of that game where the Bengals, or just the first quarter, the Bengals had three, or the Chiefs, sorry, had three sacks in the first quarter of this game. Three sacks in the first quarter of this game. In the entire four quarters of the Bills-Bengals game, where the Bengals introduced a guy at left tackle who was making his first ever start at 23 years old. And Colin Coward, of course, said, and we'll talk about Coward here in a little bit as well, more in-depthly, but you look at what this offensive line was, and they said with a healthy O-line, the Bengals dominate the Bills. And they dominated them with a bad offensive line. And their healthy offensive line isn't even that good to begin with anyways. I mean, it's just a lot better because, you know, you're usually better when you play with starters instead of backups, especially a guy who's never made a start before in his career. Conveniently making his first ever start in the playoffs at two years younger than me. That's pretty fun. But the Chiefs just dominated it. Absolutely dominated. Chris Jones was an absolute wreck, one-man wrecking crew on that Chiefs defensive line. Like, he absolutely dominated this game. And you look at the piece they had in the secondary as well. All these young players that the Chiefs had in the secondary, they were playing great in this game that they needed to rely on. You look at the offensive side of the ball. Some of the rookies on the offensive side of the ball. Pacheco, Sky Moore. Like all these rookies making plays, the Bengals getting or Chiefs getting sacks on the first drive. On third and two, they're playing press man coverage, is what you should do on third and two, not play seven yards off the ball on third and four. Guard at least guard the line of scrimmage, or at least guard the first down markers. Got to make sure they don't get a first. So watching that was just so infuriating as a Bills fan who watched. Basically, his team just banged their head into the wall and say, well, you know what? That didn't work, so we're going to just keep doing it. No changes needed whatsoever. You see how game plans worked in that game? How they needed to adjust to all these different players being out? Like You wouldn't think the Bills would know how to do that whatsoever. They brought in Xavier Rhodes out the freaking streets with a bad hamstring and started him and benched their first-round draft pick. You gotta. I know you have to... It takes some time for rookies, or it could take longer for some rookies to get in there, but you sometimes just got to give them a baptism of fire. Like, you think but they were expecting Isaiah Pacheco, a seventh-round draft pick from Rutgers, to have an immediate impact on this team? Now, he didn't put up forth a ton of yards in this game, but you look at the last game against Jacksonville, he dominated that game. Mahomes was on one leg worse than what he was on in this game. He was still on one leg, essentially, but way worse last week, so that was when he got hurt. But Pacheco put the team on his back in the run game was awesome in the run game. Sky Moore picked up huge gains in the punt return game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. You look at, like, in the secondary pieces, Trent McDuffie played awesome at two passes defended in this game. Joint most in this game. And I'm pretty sure I could be wrong. Yeah, the other person he was joint pass defenses against or with was fellow rookie Jalen Watson on the Chiefs. And then we're looking at Brian Cook as well, who also had a pass defense in this game. That's three rookies that I'm just looking at right now that made an immediate impact for the Kansas City Chiefs in this game, and the Bills are afraid to put more emphasis or more faith into Kyrie Elam, who pretty much made his first ever start in the NFL in the game against the Bengals, which he should have been starting all year. 
for anybody who's watched the Bills, apart from the first two games of the season, Dane Jackson played pretty well. Or apart, he played well in those two games. The rest of the year, no, didn't play good at all. Kyrie Elam needed to be in that they needed to stop, they need to stop babying these players. You've heard me say this a thousand times on the show. They need to stop babying players. If something doesn't work, don't be afraid to change it. And that's exactly what the Chiefs did in this game. The Chiefs were out without their top three wide receivers in this game. A quarterback on one leg, a, cor- a tight end who was having back problems before the game even started, but was questionable before the game started. And we're sitting here like, oh, look how awesome the Chiefs. Like, I'm not saying Mahomes is not great. Mahomes is easily the best quarterback in the NFL, and I hope this ended all debates about if Burrow's better than Mahomes, which we said was stupid before this game even started. Especially of all years to say that, this year, where Mahomes is going to win his second MVP, that this is the year we're going to start having that discussion if if Burrow's better than Mahomes. And I thought it was funny. So Burrow or Mahomes obviously had 326 yards, two touchdowns in this game. Very good stuff. He had a really stupid fumble, which if Josh Allen did that, I've said this to my friends, it'd be lamb, but it'd be blasted all over social media. I've never, I've seen Josh Allen fumble before. I'm not, <laughs> obviously, I've seen Josh Allen fumble before, but never like that. Never like that. Maybe I forgot about it, but I've, I, as far as I'm aware, I've never seen that before from Josh. But Burrow in this game, uh, 270 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And you look at Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow, because we're talking about Burrow being number one in the NFL. He's not even number two. Okay, I I would love Joe Burrow. I've said this before. If Josh Allen didn't exist, Joe Burrow would be my favorite player in the NFL. Like, I love Joe Burrow. I've loved everybody. I I hate when people do this. I've loved him since college. Everybody loved Joe Burrow in college. This isn't like some new revelation. Everybody's like, oh, now I like Joe Burrow. No, Joe Burrow was awesome in college. Joe Burrow was cool in college. I hate when people say, I was like, yeah, I've liked this dude since college. Yeah, because he was awesome in college. Everybody, he won a national championship. They were the first one, number one overall seed in the college football playoffs history. Granted, it's only been like six years at that point to win the national championship as a one seed. First team ever to do that. I think the playoffs started in 2014. They won it in 2019. So five years. But yeah. Oh, you're, wow, you like Joe Burrow in college? No way. That's crazy. So I love Joe Burrow. I'm not saying this to slight Joe Burrow, but this is how reactionary we are in sports. Like, we're talking about if, if Burrow beats Mahomes, which would be the fourth time he'd beat him, we're saying Burrow's better than Mahomes. That's not how this works. Wins and losses, I've said this a thousand times, are not a quarterback stat. Wins and losses can be affected by quarterbacks, but it's not solely riding on the quarterback to decide, oh, if the game's wins or losses. Because I'm sure if Mahomes had T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Jamar Chase in this game, I'm sure he would have been very thankful instead of having to deal with Marquez Valdez-Scantling and uh, his next closest receiver, and I'm talking about specifically wide receiver, because I know Travis Kelsey, you can count him as wide receiver. You know what? I'll count him as wide receiver. But you look at that one, if we're just talking about position-wise receiver, the next closest receiver after Marcus Valdez-Scantling was Marcus Kemp and then Sky Moore. Because McCole Hardman got hurt in this game, too. And then on defensive side of things, we saw, um, uh, who was it? Legereus Sneed get hurt as well. You look at the top four, top five receivers on the Chiefs in this game, only two of them were wide receivers, true wide receivers. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had 116 yards receiving in this game. Marquez Valdez-Scantling looked like an actual number one wide receiver. And there's some Chiefs fans out there that have been, have been hyping Marquez Valdez-Scantling up all year. So maybe it was just, this is now. Now we lived up to the hype of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I'm not saying, like, overwhelming hype of, like, this dude's going to be the next, I don't know, Jerry Rice or something like that, or even the replaced Tyreek Hill, but... 
They've been excited about Marquez Valdez-Scantling coming into the season. At least Brady has. I've talked to Brady about Marquez Valdez-Scantling a lot. And I remember I was like, oh, I like Sky Moore. He's like, well, you didn't watch training camp. And I was like, ooh, fair enough. I did not watch the Kansas City Chiefs training camp. I did not. And this is why Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 116 yards and a touchdown in this game. Some great catches in there as well. But this debate between Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes will drive people crazy for the next however many years. But I don't think anything's changed based off this playoff run. Like, Burrow's still number three. I think the highs of Mahomes and Allen are higher than what Burrow could read. And I I say that in a um, – how do I want to describe this? In a personal – because I obviously Mahomes has won a Super Bowl, Burrow's won, gone to a Super Bowl, and Josh Allen hasn't even – hasn't won a Super Bowl or even gone to a Super Bowl. So I'm not saying like that, like the heights of that, like career heights, but in what they're able to do, physical ability, Burrow cannot do some of the things Allen and Mahomes can. I think what Burrow does well is that he's very calm. He's very cool under pressure. He's smart when he runs. He doesn't take any unnecessary hits. He doesn't force anything, which is something Mahomes and Allen can kind of get in the habit of doing because they have the two strongest arms in the NFL and they think they can throw the ball anywhere on the field and it's going to be completed. Like, for how great Mahomes is, and he is great. He is great. He does have that in him every once in a while. Even the most diehard Chiefs fans will tell you that. It's not like he's a perfect, perfect, like, everything he does is amazing. And there's a lot of things he does that are amazing. But there's sometimes he has some, what was that? Either throws or runs or fumbles, like, in the game. He fumbled (laughs) with no one near him. Trying to throw the football. He just let go of the football. Burrow doesn't have that. I've never seen Burrow do that before. I've never really seen Burrow fumble that much. If he had, How many times has Burrow fumbled in his career? I've, I've never even thought about this. How many times has he fumbled? He's fumbled one time. His entire Lost one fumble his entire career. And that was his rookie year. And we're talking about fumbles he's had his entire career just without lo- losing them? He's, lost five, he's fumbled five times and only once in the past two years. He's fumbled once, lost zero in the past two seasons. In two seasons where he, last season he had 70, he got 70, sacked 70 times. 70 times. Fumbled one time, didn't lose it. This season he got sacked 13 times the first two games of the season. Didn't fumble one time in those. Didn't fumble since. Like, that's what I'll give Burrow credit for. I don't want to make it sound like I'm bashing Burrow for the sake of bashing Burrow, but he's not top two. He's top three. Comfortably top three. Uh, not comfortably, but he's in top three because I know Jalen Hurts is knocking on that door as well. But I think it's funny. So Colin Coward, who we've kind of made fun of on the show recently, uh, said on the uh, the other day that uh, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen, and that's in regards to Patrick Mahomes. And I'll talk about another thing Coward said here a little in a little bit, but the other day he ranked the top ten players in the AFC Championship game. And you can go on his Twitter account. This isn't something that's like – I had to dig long and hard for this thing. You can just find it on his Twitter account, the video. Joe Burrow, he said, was the best player in the AFC Championship game. Mahomes was second. The top 10 read Burrow, Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, Jamar Chase, Creed Humphrey, T. Higgins, uh, Trey Hendrickson. Uh, who is that? Lineman for the Chiefs. I can't remember. And Joe Mixon's at number 10. But then the next day or whenever the game's over, Mahomes is the best QB you've ever seen. That did that game did not change anything if Mahomes was the best QB ever. That game shouldn't have changed anything in that aspect. You should have already had that mindset going into the game. I think the performance he put out was very gutsy. I think when the way he played with one leg essentially coming off a high ankle sprain the week before where he's lucky he probably didn't break his ankle. It's very cool. 
It's very tough. Not surprised he played in this game at all. But that game didn't go, wow. Like, you saw his fumble, right? You saw some of the throws he was making at certain points of the game. It's like, okay, that's not the game to make you say he's the greatest. You, the other day, Friday, you said Burrow was better. And then now, he, now he's not. It's like the same thing. I saw this on Twitter the other day. I don't remember if we talked about this on the show or not. But Colin Coward the other day said that Rodgers would be perfect. On the 24th, he said Rodgers would be perfect for the Jets. Three days later, this is why Rodgers would not work with the Jets. Like, this is what I've talked about a thousand times before about clickbait journalism and stuff like that. Like, you're not really talking about what's prevalent or what's actually right or wrong. You're just trying to get clicks. Like, people saying Burrow is better than Mahomes, there's no way anybody actually believed that. There's no way anybody actually believed that, right? Like, we, I'm, I hate the Chiefs as much as the next guy. They're probably my least favorite team in the NFL. They have surpassed the Patriots, and I think a lot of that has to do with me living in Iowa and dealing with Chiefs fans a lot. Going to college with Chiefs fans. Growing up with Chiefs fans. Working with Chiefs fans. I don't see a lot of Patriots fans. I see one to two Patriots fans a year. I li- I see two Chiefs fans a day, probably. So I hate the Chiefs. This is not me saying like, oh, I love the Chiefs. I'm not like Colin Cow or Col- uh, Chris Collinsworth sucking off Mahomes every chance I get. Like when he had that step up in the pocket, and he dropped the ball last week against Jacksonville. It's like what a play by Patrick Mahomes. Like what the hell are we? What what is the play he did there? What's the play on third and two? He dropped the ball. That's not like we're doing that. It's so I'm not that by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm not. I don't. I hate the Chiefs. But my hate does not blind me to the fact that Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback. One of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen. And the conversation of if he's the greatest of all time, I think that's way too early to state that. I think that's way too early to state that one. Because there's been times like Josh Allen has outplayed Patrick Mahomes. So I can't go down there and I'm, I'm not saying Josh Allen is the greatest quarterback of all time or even in that conversation or relatively close to that conversation. Mahomes is much closer. I mean, he's gone to five straight AFC championship games, hosted five straight AFC championship games, gone to three Super Bowls now, has won one. We'll see what happens next week. But I'm not ready to say he's the greatest quarterback ever. I don't even know. Like, I was talking to Andrew about this on Sunday. Or Jer- I was talking to Jared about this, sorry. And I don't know, like, one of the, the views I have about this is kind of weird. And I hope it makes sense. Because I've heard it with, like, Manchester United before. And I'll talk about the Manchester United comparison in a little bit. Like, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest chief, greatest quarterback in Chiefs history. But he's not the greatest quarterback to play for the Chiefs, if that makes sense. Yet. Yet. There's obviously some time that can happen. That can change over time. I'm not saying it's not possible. It's definitely possible. He's probably closer to breaking that than I realize or giving it credit for. But... Like, Patrick Mahomes is the greatest quarterback in Kansas City Chiefs history, but Joe Montana is the greatest quarterback to ever play for the Chiefs. Joe Montana is not considered a Chiefs legend. So he played there for three years, I think. He's not considered a Chiefs legend. But he's the greatest quarterback to play there because I don't think Mahomes has broken into the top three of Brady, Montana, Manning yet. I think we can have a conversation about him breaking into the top five, but I don't think we're talking about him breaking into that top three yet. Like, you have to be all-worldly to break into that top three for me. And he is close. He's close, but he's what? He's in he's got drafted in 2017. Like he's done some amazing, amazing things in the NFL, but I don't know if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Like Bobby Charlton's probably the greatest player in Manchester United's history, but Cristiano Ronaldo's probably the greatest player to ever play for Manchester United. 
Like, when you think of Manchester United legends, Bobby Charlton's one of the first people you think of. That's what Mahomes is. But Joe Montana, I, I don't know. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I hope it does. I've heard it in soccer terms all the freaking time. Like, I don't know. Like, Lionel Messi's the greatest player to ever play for PSG, but he's not the greatest PSG player of all time. Like, is that... You understand what I'm saying with that? Joe Montana's the greatest chief quarterback to ever play for the Chiefs. He's not the greatest Chiefs quarterback of all time. Does that make any sense? I really hope it makes at least somewhat sense. But I, we're, re, we're trying here. But the Chiefs in that game, it was a really weird game. It was a really weird one. Like I, I want to give all credit to the Chiefs. I think they were the better team of the day. Like The Bengals came back in that game from being down and looking dead in the water early on. Like They had negative 14 yards in their second drive of the game. like Or their first drive of the game. So the, the fact they got it back to this point is pretty damn impressive. I will say that. But the Chiefs were the better team. But the thing was, like, that weird-ass back-to-back third-down play, what was that? What, what? Can anybody explain that to me? Because no whistles were blown. The Chiefs had their punt unit out on the field, and then the refs go, yeah, uh, we're actually going to replay that third down. What, but they didn't say that until the Chiefs offense ran back on the field, so it's like, wait, are they um, are they going for it? And then the ref comes in and is like, oh, okay, now we're going to run this play over again after it was fourth down. And then Eli Apple, you know, in his good gracious, decides, you know, I'm going to hold the crap out of, I think it was Marquez the scantling and then cause the Chiefs first down. And then you got the some block in the back issues on the punt return that set up the touchdown, on the, the field goal in the last drive of the game. You've got potential holding calls in the Mahomes scramble that led to the Joseph Osai personal foul penalty, which that one's a personal foul every trip of the train. Like, it doesn't matter how soft it was, because it wasn't like he destroyed Patrick Mahomes or anything. If anything, he hurt himself more. You see his knee bend the wrong way when he was <laughs> he pushed Mahomes out of bounds? But it doesn't matter if it was soft or hard. The quarterback was... <laughs> Mahomes was damn near touching the benches when he got pushed. So, it's a penalty every single time, but it's just unfortunate how that had to go down. But there's some weird-ass things that took place in this game. Weird, weird things. Weird calls... Weird non-calls, the weird third down thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Zach Taylor, I think there was one point in the game where you could read Zach Taylor's lips and he said it's rigged. I don't know if that's exactly what he said. But I was really waiting for after the game to hear what Zach Taylor said so we could go scorched earth on the NFL and the officials. But he didn't. He took the high road, and I was actually pretty impressed by that because it'd be a I – I wouldn't have blamed him if he just lambasted every single person – that was associated with that game from a <laughs> officiating and um, executive standpoint because it was there were some weird things going on in this game, weird weird things going on in this game. And I'm not one to sit here and say the Chiefs like, oh man, uh, the refs screwed the Bengals. I don't know about that. I don't know if I'd go that far because there's still a chance the bank the Chiefs still win in overtime. Hell, I watched them beat the Bills in overtime last year. Like them winning in overtime is not really something they're they're non-accustomed to. They've done it before. They could probably do it again. They lost the Bengals last year in overtime, I guess you could say. But just because they won there doesn't mean they were probably weren't going to win in overtime. They're the better team throughout the course of the game. But yeah, it's unfortunate how the game ended or how it uh kind of transpired because again, I understand why a lot of Bengals fans are upset with this game. I think it's very easy to understand why a lot of Bengals fans are upset with this game. There's a few things in that game that are so weird. Like Jamar Chase, three third nines. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. You're in Arrowhead. We got the Mahomes playing on one leg. Like, the fact that 
that the okay, you didn't like some of the calls in the game. I thought some of the calls were really uh, wishy washy. I guess you could say that's me putting it nicely. Some of the weirdest things I've ever seen on a football field in regards from a call standpoint or non-call standpoint. But the fact Mahomes was playing on one leg, had three wide receivers out, they had a bunch of injuries on defense as well. I think they had eight of their 22 starters out in this game. Like, that's that's impressive. That's impressive. You can't really sit here and feel like, oh, the Chiefs don't deserve to go. I understand why people are mad, but the Chiefs are not. It's not like, oh, man, there's no reason the Chiefs should have won that game. There's absolutely no reason. If you're saying that, you're just a bitter fan. That's it. Like, there's a, a lot of reasons why the Chiefs should have won this game. And they did. And they did win this game. 23-20, to 20, uh, the Bengals, you know, Eli Apple with the Cancun on three thing with Jamar Hamlin's little uh, heart emoji comes <laughs> comes out and lose by three. Very impressive. Very impressive stuff, Bengals. We appreciate for that. Appreciate Eli for the holding call as well on the, the third, third, nine play in a row. But the next game we had on here was the Niners and the Eagles, and this game sucked. That's the best way I can put it. That is the best way I can put it. Like, I think it's funny, like Al Michaels – when we were watching the game, or not Al Michael, Jim Nance, we were watching the, the Chiefs-Bengals game. If <laughs> if you heard that Brock Purdy completed 100% of his passes <laughs> and they lost by 24 points, would you believe me? Would you believe me if I said that? No, you probably would not believe me if I said that, but this game was just brutal. And Brock Purdy... I don't, so I missed the first drive of this game. So the first thing I saw in this game was Brock Purdy talking to Kyle Shanahan on the sideline. That was the first thing I saw in the game. And he said, I can't throw. He said, I can't throw. That was what he, That's what he said. I read his lips. I was like, oh, I can't throw. And the story has come out recently that Brock Purdy tore his UCL, which people are trying to say is a six-month layoff. No, that thing's going to be longer. If he tore it, he's he going to be out for longer than six months. He's going to need surgery. Because that's the same injury Josh Allen had. Same injury. A little bit more of a, I don't even want to call it, a little bit more extensive version of the injury. But it's the exact. It's pretty much the exact same injury Josh Allen had when he lost the Jets in the last play of the game when he tried to launch it downfield, got his arm caught. Or not, that was the play after. But got his arm caught in the last drive of the game. Pretty much the same injury. So this goes back to when we said earlier, I wish Josh Allen just sat out a couple weeks. Because Josh Allen's not healthy. We could say you watched the entire season. There was not one point after that game where it was like, okay, he's 100% healthy. He was gritting it out because he's Josh Allen and wants to try and do that. He's a Cal, he's a farm kid, went to Wyoming. He's never missed a game post his rookie season, so he's trying to stay on the field as long as possible. He's got that Brett Favre mentality, not the not the extorting uh, <laughs> charities down Mississippi idea. The fact that I don't want to leave the field for any reason whatsoever. What is that idea? Like, dude should have sat out at least a week, if not two. Because he, he injured that elbow already. They were talking about Tommy John surgery with Josh Allen when that happened. Purdy's going to try and avoid Tommy John surgery as much as possible. And I give Brock Purdy a shitload of credit for going back in the game after tearing his UCL. And not only doing that, but completing two more passes after that. They weren't like insanely long passes, but the fact that he just went out there and did it is impressive enough. It's really impressive. And Josh Johnson comes into the game, and I thought this was funny during the broadcast. They said uh, Josh Johnson has the playing experience boost. No, Josh Allen has the NFL experience of being on 13 different teams. He does not have any playing experience. Apart from playing in the AAF in the USFL, Josh Allen or Josh Johnson does not have the quote-unquote NFL playing experience. 
I think Brock Purdy's made more appearances in the NFL than Sean, John Johnson. Jeez, Josh Johnson has. Oh, no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Okay, Josh Johnson has played in 39 games in his NFL career, but hasn't played more than four since 2011. And, <laughs> yeah, it's a... Yeah, I wouldn't really credit that as, like, real playing experience. It's and it, Look at his numbers. Like, he played 11 games at 16 pass attempts. Like, that's not... Are we classifying that as... It was garbage time, essentially, with the 2010 bucks. Like, I don't think we're sitting here going like, oh, yeah, he's – you bring in Josh Johnson, you got a good-ass quarterback right there. And, like, Josh Johnson's one of those guys – you hear the phrase – I brought up soccer earlier. It's another one of those things in soccer where, like, he's too good for the championship. He's just bad enough. In the, he's not good enough for the Premier League. He's, like, in that median area. Like, Alexander Mitrovich over in Fulham in the Premier League used to be one of the considered one of those guys where he's too damn good for the, the championship but not good enough for the Premier League. Josh Johnson's too good for the AAF and the USFL and the XFL, but he's not good enough to be a starter in the NFL. P.J. Walker's the exact same thing. You saw P.J. Walker in the XFL absolutely tear it up. Goes to the NFL, looks completely out of sorts. Now, granted, that could be part of the team he's on with the Panthers and playing under Matt Rule's offense, so maybe that's a little bit of part of it as well. But Brock Purdy going out the way he did and then Josh Johnson getting hurt, once Johnson got hurt, then the game was over. One shot Johnson, Josh Johnson got hurt, it was done. Nothing the 49ers could do to try to salvage anything after that point. Like, it was just done. What else do you want them to do? They have a quarterback with a torn UCL. No, they didn't know that at the time. He can't grip a football. He can't really throw a football. So you're going into a game without a quarterback. Like, you've had all these different, like, your four quarterbacks you've had this year have all gotten hurt at some point. Three of them with season-ending injuries. And I guess Josh Johnson, you could count that one as well. But it wouldn't have been a season-ending injury happen, had it happened week three. All the other people are out for the rest of the season. But you had Trey Lance break his ankle. You had Jimmy Garoppolo break his foot. You had Brock Purdy tearing his UCL and Josh Johnson getting a, concu- getting a concussion. So you're forced into a situation where we can't throw the football. And you've got an Eagles team that is very quick and very smart defensively with a lot a very a lot of very 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 good players on their defense. Like Hassan Reddick was an absolute terror in this game. Philly native went to Temple, got drafted one pick before the Eagles bat, did back in the day, got drafted by the Cardinals. Started off a little slow in Arizona, got better as last year, went to Carolina and then up to Philly. He was all over the place in this game. All over the place. Like this is a really good defense. And when you don't have a quarterback, well, guess what? You're not going to throw the ball, so I wonder what you're going to do. So it kind of makes things simple like that. Like, you could have a Christian McCaffrey pop pass or something like that, but the chances of that happening, you can't do that every play. It's not going to happen every play. You could have Christian McCaffrey try to run like a uh, like low-level high school-style offense where, hey, if they're not if they're covering everybody up downfield, then run. Which at that point with McCaffrey quarterback, no disrespect to Christian McCaffrey, he can sling the ball. He's throwing a touchdown this year, but he's not a quarterback. He's a running back. A damn good one at that, but he's not a quarterback. Like I said this a thousand times this show, McCaffrey's the best running back in the NFL when healthy, and every time I watch him, the more a healthy Christian McCaffrey, the more and more I feel vindicated by saying that because he's a freak of nature. Call him the freak, man, because he's a freak of nature. You know that Randy Moss quote back in the day? That's what Christian McCaffrey is. He had a rushing touchdown in this game, leaped over one dude, broke two tackles, ran to the end zone. Had a pass in this game, and then uh, 
had only 22 yards receiving, but again, that they didn't have a quarterback, so they couldn't really get, get some receiving yards. Debo Samuel had negative nine rushing yards in this game because when you have no quarterback and people know you're not going to throw the football, why I, I didn't understand that why they were running plays behind the line of scrimmage like that. Like if you're, you can't, you can't run, you can't throw. So they know you're going to run the ball. And now you've already given a defense a five-yard advantage by just running backwards, essentially. So they have more room. To, they made it easy. The 49ers just made it really easy for the Eagles on the offensive side of the ball. But again, you can't really do anything. You have no quarterback. You have no quarterback. And you look at the Eagles side of the ball. Jalen Hurts didn't have an amazing game by any means. But he was efficient. And played well. Played all right. Didn't need to do a whole lot in this game. That's another example of what we talked about with the Chiefs. Look at what coaching can do for you. Jalen Hurts didn't need to do anything. He didn't 15 to 25, 121 passing, had 39 yards rushing. Like he didn't need to do anything in this game. He had team, his defense was absolutely stifling. They were running all over the Niners defense. Niners defense kept getting penalty on penalty on penalty. I think he had four penalties in one drive. And then I saw someone say it was an unnamed Niners player. I said once Purdy got hurt, they were like, oh, make sure the Eagles get the Super Bowl. No. The penalties the Niners had on that one drive where they had four penalties were all penalties. It's not like they were reaching for any of those calls. They were all penalties. I don't remember what all exactly they were. There was a couple PIs in there. There was holdings. They were all penalties. Uh, It's just bitter at that point, but you got absolutely dominated in this game. And again, if you had Brock Purdy or a quarterback that was healthy, like just a healthy quarterback, this game would have been closer. But the way the Eagles were playing, everything was just so easy. So easy. Like the defense couldn't stop them. I don't know if Purdy or Josh Johnson scoring 31 points in this game. I don't think they are. And in hindsight, I would definitely go back and say the Eagles were going to win this game. I said the uh, the Chiefs were going to beat the Bengals. Got that one right. I said the Niners would beat the, beat the Eagles. Got that one way wrong. Maybe it's different if they had a quarterback, but I really don't think the score is like drastically different where the Niners beat the Eagles if Brock Purdy's healthy. Just watching how the 49ers defense just completely fell apart in the second half. It was just a bad game. Bad, boring game. I went to go get Canes at the end of the fourth quarter. It's like, yeah. It, it, was, it wasn't one of the more exciting games. That's back-to-back games for the Eagles where they've absolutely dominated a team. Like, you look at their past two games. What's that combined score? They've allowed 14 points. And then, quick math, you've got 69 LOL points. 69-7 to seven in two games? Grant, one was the Giants and one was a backup Niners team, essentially, or at least backup off, backup quarterback team, third-string quarterback team. But that's impressive. That's impressive. If I'm looking at it right now, like a way-too-early standpoint, and again, it's hard to judge because, hey, here's one of the things that I always find interesting when looking at this because of looking on scores, like the Eagles scored one, outscored opponents 69-7, dominated in the playoffs this year. The Chiefs have had two close games. The Jaguars game was closer than what the score says. I know it was 20 to 7, 27 to 20, but there were chances for the Jaguars to actually like make some noise in that game. You had the Jamal Agnew fumble at like the five yard line. You had the Trevor Lawrence interception at the end of the game. You had the Christian Kirk drop early on in the game. Like you had moments where the Jaguars could have made that a game, and the Eagles are just trouncing teams. They scored more points the first half against the Giants than the Chiefs did the entire game last week. Like they've been absolutely dominant. And on like face value, you'd look at that and go, wow, the Eagles should absolutely dominate the Chiefs. The Eagles should be the favorite, and they are. They're a one-and-a-half-point favorite. But I, the, I know I brought the Super Bowl up earlier, but the Giants-Bills Super Bowl, look at that Super Bowl. 
You look at what happened in the AFC Championship game of the Bills versus the Raiders, and you got the Giants-Niners. You want to know the two scores of that game, from at least from what I can remember? I know the Bills-Raiders one was 51-3. I think the Giants-Niners game was like 19-17. Giants made a last-second field goal to win that game. Exact same situation would happen the Chiefs and the, the Bengals. Exact same. Matt, last-second field goal to win that game. I got to find that Super Bowl. So that was... Hold on. I got to find this. So we got the 91 Super Bowl, Bills-Giants. I want to... I don't remember what the exact 90, 91 playoffs... Okay. Oh, 15 to 15-13. 15-13. So yeah, we had 51-3 Bills-Raiders, and then 15-13 to 13 Giants-Niners. And they dominated the Bears before that. They beat them 31-3, but... I don't want it to look like the Chiefs struggled against two teams back-to-back and go like, oh, we should write them off completely because the Bills, 51-3, to people were saying that that was going to be a massive, massive game for the Bills. The Bills are going to absolutely blow them out. The Giants struggled in that game. The Bills were a seven-point favorite in this game, which is massive in the Super Bowl. But the Giants came out victorious. victorious. Now, getting Mahomes back in healthy, fully healthier, as close to fully healthy as you can get him, getting Travis Kelsey as close to 100% healthy as you can with this whole back situation. Hopefully you get some receivers back at that point. This game will be fun. This is going to be a really good Super Bowl. I'm I'm really excited for the Super Bowl. Like that that Bengals-Chiefs game, I really, after the whole Eli, Eli Apple thing, I really didn't care who won that game. Again, I hate the Chiefs. I have no animosity towards the Bengals. I have a few for the, some of their players. Like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are two of my favorite players in the NFL. Like outside of Stephon Diggs, my favorite receiver is Jamar Chase. I, I love watching Jamar Chase play. Like it's just unfair. He's he's a freaking tank. Out can outrun almost everybody on a football field, and battled some injuries this year. Like if he didn't battle his injuries this year, if he didn't have that hip injury, that race for eighteen hundred would have been really interesting between him and uh, Justin Jefferson. I think. I'm not saying it would have happened because we don't know if it would happen, but it's it's fun to dream. It's fun to dream. It's funny he had that that whole LSU team, Burrow, Chase, Jefferson. All near the top of their position, respectively. Like, all three are top three at this point, you would say? Burrow's top three, Chase and Jefferson are top three. Because Devontae Adams is probably still the number one receiver in the NFL. Maybe. I'm not I'm not saying that's 100%. Because obviously, like, Tyreek Hill, Diggs, all these guys are going to be up there as well. I'll be pissed off. I didn't mention them either. But uh, those guys are pretty good. But this Super Bowl is going to be fun. It's going to be very, very fun. But the week before the Super Bowl, <laughs> we've got the Pro Bowl, which is always a very uh, interesting time in the NFL season. It is a thing that no one gives two shits about, really. So much so, this time around, it's not even a game. It's flag football, essentially. It is just a straight-up flag football game between Peyton Manning's AFC side and Eli Manning's NFC side with, I think, Snoop Dogg and Pete Davidson as celebrity coaches. Why the hell they're doing it, I have no idea. But something came out this past couple days that have been very interesting to me about this Pro Bowl. Like, if you actually, and I say this with the most disrespect I can, if you actually believe that the Pro Bowl is worth anything anymore, I beg you, please... (laughs) Go, go check yourself into a mental ward. Please. The Pro Bowl now, I think this year, I would argue this year's a bigger joke than any year I can think of recently. 
And all you need to do is look at the quarterbacks in this game. Especially for the AFC side. But both sides, you can say it. Here's the AFC side. So the starters were Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow. Respectfully, yeah, those are the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. Makes sense. Their backups are Tyler Huntley, Trevor Lawrence, and Derek Carr. What what the hell happened here? Okay, we'll start off with the bottom part. Derek Carr. First off, what team is he going to represent? Because he's made it clear he's not coming back to the Raiders. I know the Raiders aren't letting him talk to anybody yet. But what what made him a pro bowler? What made him a pro bowler this year? He did absolutely nothing this season. You look at the past four games he played and he had sub-55% completion percentage. I know there's other factors completion percentage, but sub-55 in four straight games with a whopping, what, one, three, four, seven interceptions in those games. Against the Rams, Steelers, Patriots, and Chargers. He went to overtime against the Seahawks. Needed Josh Jacobs to run over. I think he ran for 200 yards in that game. You went to overtime with the Broncos. You lost to the Colts. You lost. You got blanked by the Saints. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how any of that happened. Like, what? What is Derek? What is Derek Carr? Uh, why is he a Pro Bowler? Why is he an alternate? Derek Carr is a fine quarterback, but good lord, if we're basing off this year. He ain't anywhere close to Pro Bowl. The problem is, I don't know who else to put in there. Tua can't go. He's still in concussion protocol. Herbert would have been the next option. I don't know why he's not going. If he turned down an invite, wouldn't be surprised. But Derek Carr, based off this year, no. Not at all. Trevor Lawrence, I can understand. Based off this year, you look at the last part of the season for Trevor Lawrence this season. How good the Jaguars were playing in the latter parts of the season. He was pretty much lights out towards the end of the season. He's playing some of his best football. You look at games against the Titans and Cowboys. Seven touchdowns, one pick with over, what, 600 yards passing? That's impressive. And you come back in the Chargers against the second half, have four touchdowns in the second half. I know he had four interceptions in the first half, but coming back like that was really cool. He played well enough, or played well, against the Kansas City Chiefs to have some things not go his way in that game. So I can kind of understand where Trevor Lawrence is coming from in that. That one's, I can respect that one. And then Tyler Huntley. Why is he an alternate? This dude played five games this year. Five. He missed, like, the last, what, two, three games of the regular season? Because he got hurt? Tyler Huntley had two touchdowns, three interceptions this year. Two touchdowns, three interceptions. And we're putting him in the Pro Bowl? Why Why is he in the Pro Bowl? Can someone please explain to me this like I'm 12? Please. Like, LaDainian Tomlinson in 2005 had five pa- three passing touchdowns. He's a running back. And he was a Pro Bowler in 2005. He had three passing touchdowns. Tyler Huntley has two. So when you look at Tyler Huntley in his NFL career, you'll click on his Wikipedia page, you read Pro Bowl 2022. And you scroll down to his numbers... Two starts, was or four starts, was two and two in those starts. Two touchdowns, three interceptions, and then a fumble at the one. I know it's a regular season thing, but come on. Really, we're, that, we're struggling that much? And you look at the NFC side, Geno Kirk and Jared Goff. This is what we're turning into the NBA dunk contest, essentially. 
Like, who the hell cares about these quarterbacks? Quarterbacks are the people that are going to sell you tickets, pretty much. Like, you look at the accuracy competitions in the past, or all these different things, like, what the hell are we selling here with the quarterbacks? And then for the other people on here, how, what pictures does Roger Saffold have of Roger Goodell or anybody else in this Pro Bowl to get his ass in the Pro Bowl? The Bills had three Pro Bowl offensive linemen? What? More Stockins and Saffold? Saffold's been one of the worst guards in the NFL all season. How the hell did he make a Pro Bowl? How the hell did he make a Pro Bowl? The Bills have eight Pro Bowlers this year. Eight. And three of them, the O-lineman and Dawson Knox, I don't know how he made the how he made the Pro Bowl this year. How are these guys in the Pro Bowl? I don't understand this at all. Like, Dawson Knox had a down year from last year. And he wasn't even, like, amazing last year. He was a good tight end last year. But all of his numbers are down. His yards are down and his touchdowns are down. His yards per reception are down. I love Dawson Knox, but, man, they didn't use him for the first part of the season. <laughs> Dawkins, Saffold, and Morse. I don't know how Saffold made it. I have no idea how Saffold made it. And it's funny, Wyatt Teller made it, too, the guy the Bills cut. He's with Roger Saffold. They, I will tell you this for free. They are not at the same level right now. <laughs> Matt Milano, yeah, he deserves to go. Matt Milano was a first-team All-Pro and was put in as an alternate. That, let that sit with you for a little bit. How the hell does that make any sense? First-team All-Pro is a Pro Bowl alternate. Okay. And he only made it because T.J. Watt's not playing in the Pro Bowl. Like The Pro Bowl is an absolute farce. This game is so stupid. I hate this game so much. I like I like the Pro Bowl when they do like the like oh it could be kind of fun to watch them you know uh, do like the throw power competition or the dodgeball or the 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 catch thing like those games are fun. I do not give a rat's ass about this game this year. I am gonna sit down and watch Tyler Huntley participate with some of the best players in the NFL. Tyler Huntley. What? What? How How the hell was this allowed to happen? This is the problem. That I, oh, God, this is so frustrating. I have no beef with Tyler Huntley, but good God. This is one of the worst Pro Bowl rosters I think I've ever seen, ever. The Bills have eight Pro Bowlers. Eight. Four of them don't deserve to be there. <laughs> they have the most Pro Bowl selections out of any team in the AFC. They have the joint most Pro Bowlers in the entire NFL. And three of them are offensive linemen. The Bills' worst unit. <laughs> I don't I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. The Pro Bowl is a freaking joke now. But uh, one thing that could be kind of fun that's interesting, it's kind of a similar situation to what we got in the Pro Bowl to a certain extent. It's the, the quarterback situation in the Senior Bowl. So the Senior Bowl this year... All the best quarterbacks really are underclassmen. Like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, underclassmen. The top two guys in the draft anyways. Will Levis has a broken toe, which he hurt back in the Ole Miss game, and is decided to opt out. And then Stetson Bennett, super cool guy, opted out of the Senior Bowl or declined his invite, and then got arrested for public intox, which is super cool. But the Pro Bowl roster, the Senior Bowl roster, sorry, this year for quarterbacks are not like your 
typical, oh, we cannot wait to watch this guy. Now, there's some good quarterbacks in the Senior Bowl. I don't want to make it sound like these quarterbacks are not good because they are very good quarterbacks. You look at uh, what team is this? Is this the national team? American team. American team, you got uh, Clayton Toon from Houston, Tyson Baggin from Shepard, who a lot of people are going to be excited to see. Hendon Hooker's there. He's not going to play, obviously, towards ACL. He's not going to play, but he's there. And then Max Duggan from TCU is also there. And you look at the national team, you have got Jaron Hall from BYU, Jake Hayner from Fresno State, and Malik Cunningham from Louisville. I'm very excited to see Jaron Hall and Tyson Baggin play in this game. Jaron Hall is not necessarily the biggest guy out of the quarterbacks in this class. He's not big at all. I, he might be six foot. I think he's listed at six one, maybe. Yes, yeah, so he's listed at six foot one. But the dude's got a very live arm, and he can move very, very well. I'm not saying he's a Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick type runner, but he can run. He's just not a big guy, and that's going to be one of the issues going into the draft. I can see him probably going to the third round because of his size. He's got all the ability. To be a top tier, he's the thing, he's size and he's 24. When's he turned 25? He'll turn 25 in March. So that's going to, again, there's two things that are kind of against him on that, but he's a very talented quarterback. I would expect him to start for the national team, but Jake Hayner will be right on him because Jake Hayner, very talented quarterback, but again, smaller quarterback in a smaller school, much like Jaron Hall, cannot move as much as Jaron Hall, but can move to a decent extent. One quarterback that can move is Malik Cunningham. And I think this will be very big. This this whole Senior Bowl weekend will be big for Cunningham because he's got all the ability in his legs. He's one of the most electrifying players in college football. We said he was one of the dark horse Heisman candidates this year, but Louisville was not very good this year. <laughs> and there's some question marks around his passing ability. We'll see how that all goes this weekend, but that could be very big in helping him boost his draft stock to possibly go in like the sixth round. I think that's somewhere we could see Malik Cunningham going at his top. Maybe he falls. Maybe he goes fifth round because of his athletic ability. Maybe we see him rise a little bit more than we're expecting. But that's probably what we're looking at right now. Uh, for the national, jeez, I keep doing this. America, the thing that's bothering me about this website: nationals on the left, Americans on the right. But in my mind, I'm used to the alphabet seeing A on the left, like the first letter in the alphabet, alphabetical order, A, and then N comes after that. So now that it says N then A, it's it's really bothering me. But uh, Hendon Hooker, we obviously know about Hendon Hooker, Max Duggan. We know about him. Clayton Toon, talented quarterback. Talented quarterback. Him and Dell down at Houston this year put up some very nice numbers. Some very nice numbers. And then Tyson Baggin, I need to watch more of Tyson Baggin. He played for Shepard. I'm not going to sit here and act like I have watched a lot of Shepard highlights this year. I've seen a lot of Shepard games this year. But I know a lot of people are excited for Tyson Baggin. See how he does at the senior boys. Got to kind of, I've, I have seen a little bit of him, but I'll need to do a little bit deeper dive on him. But a lot of people are excited about he's got a very, very, very powerful arm. He's got one of those, like, if I remember correctly, because I'm going off memory here, he's got a little sidearm motion to it. It's not a completely, like, natural throwing motion, but he's got an absolute hose on him. But these quarterbacks are not, like, your big-name guys, apart from, like, Hooker. But other than that, they're not, like, people that are going to – you look at last year's Senior Bowl. All the quarterbacks that were considered, quote-unquote, top in the class were all at the Senior Bowl last year. Like, I think Pickett was there. Uh – Malik Willis was there. I'm pretty sure Desmond Ritter was there. Sam Howell was there. Carson Strong was there. Bailey Zappi was there. Like, they had all the big names from last year's quarterback class in there. Now, I would have loved to see Will Levis play here. I would have really loved to see Will Levis play here, but I understand since he's got a foot injury, which he's had. I 
That's not something that's like, oh, now we're hearing about it. No, it's been something that's gone on since the Ole Miss game. He got hurt in that Ole Miss game, missed the, missed the next game against South Carolina, came back the game after that. I'm assuming he probably heard it more after that. But the Senior Bowl is fun. It's this weekend if you would want to watch it. But I'll go through the rosters here for you and talk about some players that you'd probably want to look at a little bit. So we'll start on the American team since we're still on that page. Uh, Jamie Robinson is a safety from Georgia along with Christopher Smith from uh, No, geez. Christopher Smith's from Georgia. Jamie Robinson's from Florida State. Jamie Robinson's very complete safety. I love watching him play. Then you go down a little bit further. Tyreek Tyreek Stevenson's a corner from Miami. Very fun player there. I don't want to go too much in depth on this, so we're just going to speed run this because I got some other things I really want to talk about. Uh, DJ Dale from Alabama, same with Byron Young, two interior D linemen there. Derek Hall from Auburn. Allie Gay from LSU. Zach Pickens from South Carolina. Very nice. Interior Dean Lyman will be a nice three tech, you would imagine, to the next level. We got Byron Young, another one. Uh, this one from Tennessee, though. <laughs> we got Will McDonald from Iowa State down here as well. A lot of people around the state of Iowa know who Will McDonald is. Then we have got Emil Ekhire, Ikior, sorry, from Alabama Interior off to Lyman there. Osiris Torrance, freaking tank. He's like six foot three, 345 pounds. He's a freaking monster. Uh, Joe Michael Schmitz, one of the best center prospects in this draft, if not the best center prospect in this draft. Uh, Steve Avila from TCU. Uh, he played tackle at TCU, but probably going to switch inside. Or played some tackle at TCU. And then you got Darnell Wright from Tennessee. Nice right tackle option there. Probably the best right tackle in this draft. Uh, we already talked about the quarterbacks. Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. You know, the platoon backs at Georgia. They're going to be hyped up in this draft class as well because what they look for in running backs nowadays, is tread on the tires. And you look at these Georgia guys, they're going to have tread on the tires. Chris Rodriguez is not someone that has that because uh, he is the bell cow at Kentucky. He's had a bunch of carries in his time down there, but very powerful running back down there. Missed the first four games this year with a PED suspension, but still very good. Eric Gray from Ole, or from Ole Miss, from Oklahoma. Then we got Ty J. Spears from Tul- Tulane. A lot of people really like him. Cameron Ladu. From Alabama, Will Mallory from uh, geez, from Miami, two really talented tight end options there. Uh, Nathaniel Dell, we talked about him a little bit with Clayton Toon. We got Xavier Hutchinson from Iowa State. Uh, Rashi Rice from SMU is a really solid option. And Andre, I don't know how to say his name, from Princeton. Eovias? Iosivas? I don't know. That dude's fun. I would recommend you sit down and watch him because he's, he's a very fun player to watch. And then Dontavion Wicks. From Virginia, another fun receiver there as well. Then the national team, again, this is speed run. If you want more in-depth, we'll go more in-depth another day, but I got some of the things I want to talk about here. Uh, JL Skinner, big safety from Boise. Big safety from Boise State. Daniel Scott, solid safety from California as well. Sidney Brown from Illinois. You go with this Jadavius Martin there as well, teammates from Illinois. We got the Iowa teammates, Riley Moss and Kayvon Merriweather. We got Riley Moss, the corner, Kayvon Merriweather, the safety. Uh, Caillou Blue Kelly, cornerback from Stanford. Really awesome, really solid option at corner there. Uh, Ronnie Hickman, safety from Ohio State. Keep scrolling down a little bit. Uh, Keon White from Georgia Tech's a very solid player. Uh, Keanu Benton from Wisconsin. Isaiah Foskey, edge rusher from Notre Dame. He's going to be one of those tweeners between outside linebacker and edge and a defensive end and a three uh, four three scheme. Uh, Andre Carter is going to be someone a lot of people are excited to see here. He's six foot six. Was recruited as a wide receiver for Army, and then moved to DN, now one of the top players in this year, or one of the top edge rushers in this year's draft. Uh, DeMarvian Overshone, long linebacker. Very long, lengthy linebacker. Very long. Uh, Dayon Henley uh, from Washington State. 
Blake Freeland off to tackle from BYU. We got Jalen Duncan from Maryland. Uh, Olu Oluwatimi, center from Michigan, very solid player. Cody Motch, this is a guy a lot of people really like. He's got the the Quinn Miners effect on everybody. The smaller school off to lineman, that's kind of funny to look at. He's got the long hair. He's got the missing teeth. Like a lot of people really like him. Uh, Jarrett Patterson from Notre Dame can play everywhere on the old line. It's just uh, where do you think he fits best in there? Uh, Dewan Jones, he's been making some noise this weekend from senior bowl practices. McClendon Curtis, another UT Chattanooga to offensive line. We saw Cole Strange draft in the first round. I really doubt we'll see McClendon Curtis get drafted in the first round, but hey, I didn't think we'd see Cole Strange draft in the first round last year either. Then we've got uh, we got Joey Fisher, a Shepard teammate of Tyson Baggett. Talk about the quarterbacks. Running backs, Chase Brown from Illinois. Roshan Johnson, he was kind of in the back seat to B. John Robinson, but the dude can play. Don't get it twisted. Ro- uh, Roshan Johnson can absolutely play. Don't get it twisted. Then we got Josh Wiley. We got Davis Allen, tight ends from Cincinnati and Clemson. We have got Ronnie Bell from Michigan, fast wideout. Then we got Elijah Higgins, who was a fun receiver for Stanford this past year. He's one of their better receivers. They didn't really have a lot of options for Tanner McKee out wide, but he was one of their better ones. Puka Nakua, I've seen him pop up in my Twitter feed recently. Baller. Go watch him when he was playing with Jaron Hall this past year. Him and Jaron Hall had a really nice connection last year. Really like him. Uh, Trey Palmer from Nebraska. Is he the all-time leading receiver in Nebraska history? I think. I think I saw that right. I could be completely wrong about that. But there's your rosters. Again, just a speed run. Just a speed run. Nothing nothing crazy right now. We'll go over some of, some of this other stuff here, too. But, uh, yeah. We'll go over some other stuff on Friday, but I, I just want to do a speed run because there's something that's popped up today and last night on Twitter that's made things very interesting. So we talked about – I was going to flow into this more naturally earlier. I was going to flow this a lot more naturally. But Purdy, as we said, towards uh, UCL, going to be out for apparently six months. Bullshit. That's not happening. He's going to be out all of next year, I would imagine. So that opens up the conversation about what do the Niners do at quarterback. Because they're not going to bring Garoppolo back. One would imagine not bringing Garoppolo. They restructured his contract so they could get him out after this year. And Lance broke his ankle in two places, had surgery, so we don't know the timetable on that. And Purdy can't grip a football. So what are our options here? And there's a lot of people out there that are going to go go after Brady and Rodgers. And if I'm the Niners, if I'm looking at the quarterback realm right now, and you got you believe that strike while the iron's hot type thing, I would go after Brady. I would go after Tom Brady. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because of the fact you don't need to trade for him. I don't know what you're going to give up for Aaron Rodgers. I've said this a thousand times. I've talked about what the Jets possibly trading for him. I have no idea what you're going to be able to get for Rodgers or what what they're going to want for Aaron Rodgers. Dude's coming off the worst year of his career and is way on the wrong side of 30. Way on the wrong side of 30. He's been very big on not trying to mentor people. I'm not saying him and Jordan Love aren't friends or aren't friendly to each other. But I don't, I wouldn't, if I'm the Niners, I don't think I would trade for Rodgers, especially since you have two young quarterbacks on your roster already that I think had Purdy not gotten hurt when he made it for a very interesting offseason battle between the pair, between Lance and Purdy. Bringing in Brady would give you a one year rental for everybody to get healthy. For Lance to get fully healthy, for Purdy to get fully healthy, then we have the competition about who's the starter the next season. Once Brady, if he retires, so let's say he comes over to San Francisco, plays, does his thing, retires, 
Then we've got the conversation between Purdy and Lance. That's when we start having the conversation. I don't really like people going out on Twitter right now. And Adam Shine, I really like Adam Shine. He's on CBS Sports. Uh, he hosts a show, Time to Shine, on uh, Mad Dog Radio. I really like listening to Adam Shine. He's a, he, he's a, he cheers for the Bills every now and again. But there's something he posted on Twitter last night that kind of like, I don't know, it made me feel weird. Like, it wasn't anything that was outlandish, but I have a hard time with people, um, what do you want to call it? Writing off Trey Lance this early. Like, we have seen Trey Lance play in four games. Four games. The two this year, there is no way you can judge anything off Trey Lance. If you're going to sit there and tell me that Trey Lance is done because you watched the game against the Bears this year, I'm sorry, there was a couple things that were not uh, optimal for an ideal quarterback situation there. Especially making his third ever start. And then you've got his game, the next game against Seattle, he snaps his ankle. And Adam Shine posted on Twitter, and I don't, do I have the, I said it to my dad because I thought it was funny. So he said, uh, Trey Lance couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. He has very little experience at college or the pros can't stay healthy and never made any sense in the first place. Okay, all of that's wrong. <laughs> all of that's wrong. Objectively, all of that's wrong. We're not judging Trey Lance on accuracy yet. He has not done anything in this team yet. And he does, now, he doesn't, he, okay, I shouldn't say all of it's wrong. He has very low experience in the College of Pros. But yeah, he didn't play his last year at North Dakota State because they canceled the season, not on him. Canceled the season because of COVID, moved it to the spring, and they were drafted in the spring, so he had to come out. He had to play that one, opt, that one game against Central Arkansas and threw his first college interception. The dude's accurate, and he's smart with the ball in his hands. The, the what do you call it, the experience? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's why you need to play him, because he doesn't have any. The only way you know if he's ready or not is if you play him. We don't know what he is. He's played four games, got hurt in one, the other one was a monsoon. And then you say can't stay healthy. He snapped his ankle. It's not like the dude had some hamstring problems his entire career. It's something that does not happen all too often. How many times have you seen a person snap their ankle? Like, you could probably think of people that snap their ankle because it's so, it's something that doesn't happen. You're like, oh, I remember when Dak snapped his ankle. I remember Paul George snapped his ankle. I remember when uh, uh, Kevin Ware snapped his ankle. You can't think of who's, oh, do you remember the last hamstring injury? No, because they happen all the freaking, that is a little different. It's a freak injury. It's not like something that's going to happen over and over and over again. You wouldn't hope, anyways. Can't stay healthy and going with it that he snapped his freaking ankle is not, that's not, that doesn't, that's not the same thing. He had a freak accident. A freak, freak accident. Snapping his ankle. Does not correlate to he can't stay healthy. Again, he's played three, he's played four games, got hurt in one, snapped his ankle in one, because playing hurt, hurt is different than being injured. He's, he's injured. And then he had a monsoon in one game. He's fine. They need to give him time. They need to give him some time. Didn't make sense in the first place. That's also not true. Trey Lance was widely considered to have the highest ceiling in that draft class. It just had the lowest floor as well. I'm on record saying a thousand times that if he reaches his ceiling, he could be the best quarterback in that, cl in that class, given his physical tools. Tools-wise, it's not a stupid pick at all. You can understand where they're going with that or what they understand from that. From a scheme fit with Kyle Shanahan, that's where Mike Jones would have come into play. That's why Purdy looked so natural in this offense because he's doing things that Shanahan wants. He's not forcing anything. He's poised. He's smart. 
He knows what he's got around him and is not going to try and force anything. He had more starts than Lance did. Lance has been in the league for two years now, and Purdy's had more starts than him. Like, shit happens. Shit happens. And Lance is younger than Purdy. I think that kind of gets lost on people. Lance is younger than Brock Purdy. Lance is a young dude right now. He still will be for a while, but he's he's a young dude. You need to give him some time. You cannot just pull the rug out from underneath him like that after those four starts that he's had, where two of them, you how the hell are you going to classify those as technical starts? Like, he started, yeah. They were not <laughs> ideal situations by any stretch of the imagination. That's why I would go with Brady. That's why I would end up going with Brady because that gives per- that gives Lance and Purdy the full year to develop or like full year to recover from their injuries because he's not going to play longer than a year. You wouldn't imagine. Sign him on a one-year contract and then let him retire or whatever because they're saying Brady is likely to play this year. So there's not even like a 100% chance that he comes back and plays this year anyways. So I would just get the rental with Brady and then do whatever else after that. I would, st- I would stick it out with Lance and Purdy. I really wanted to see that quarterback battle. I really wanted to see that. Unfortunately, we're not going to. Unfortunately, we're not going to see that. But maybe next year. Maybe next year. Because it's two completely different styles of quarterback, Purdy and Lance. Lance is bigger, stronger, faster, younger. Like, all the metrics point to Trey Lance. But in Shanahan's system, I would not be shocked if Purdy beat him out. That's what I'm saying. But I don't think it's fair to say Lance can't play or things like that. Because it's way too damn early to tell that. It's way too early. Like, I hope that, um, I hope Rodgers does get traded because I want to see Jordan Love. Because I think Jordan Love's super talented too. Watching him back at Utah State, you look at what he did his junior year, or sophomore year, I guess. Completely ignore his senior year, or junior year, again, whatever. His numbers were really bad. He lost a few pieces that year. But he's got the talent to be a very solid quarterback in the NFL. I'm a, I want to see him get a starting job. If he gets traded from Green Bay, that's fine, but I think Green Bay would love to see him start. Like he's going to be entering his 5th year. He's got to have some he's got to play at some point. Or his 4th year. He's got to play at some point. And if Rodgers gets traded to the Jets or the 49ers or somewhere like that, ideal. Absolutely ideal. Let him in, let him learn work through these young receivers. You got two rookies this year. Talks about you possibly drafting one this year. Like you've got you've got stuff, you got the pieces there. Just let him go in and play. And before I end the show, I saw ESPN talking about this today, because I thought it was funny. ESPN said, is hiring Kellen Moore a good move for Justin Herbert's career? Uh yeah. Getting firing a bad offensive coordinator, hiring a good one, yeah, that's usually a uh a pretty good thing for a young quarterback to have. It's usually pretty good. Like Kellen Moore was fired and then hired in the span of felt like 20 seconds. It was like Josh McDaniels' Indianapolis Colts career. That was pretty much what that whole thing was. Like he's fired, oh, and now he's back. He's playing again, or he's coaching again for the Chargers. Like there's no way that he was like, he had to be talking with the Chargers before that. Like there's no way you just flat out fired him. Because in his time as the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator, 2019 to 2022, second total offense, second yards per game, third in points per game, third and third, third and first downs, uh, and fourth and third down percentage. Like, Kellen Moore can definitely coach offense. He's one of my favorite college quarterbacks of all time. Dude was absolutely awesome at Boise State. 
winner, serial winner down there at Boise State. And it wasn't like one of those things where he's only beating the teams he's supposed to beat. No, dude is beating everybody. Dude was beating everybody at Boise State. Okay, what is what is this guy saying? Who are you? I don't know, Cincy fan? Well, according to NFL Twitter, Joe Burrow now sucks at football and shouldn't even be considered him a one-tier Q, tier one QB. Has anybody... Okay, this overreactionary thing is ridiculous to me. When, no one should have said he was the best quarterback in the NFL. He belongs in the tier one of quarterbacks, but that's different than being the tier one of quarterbacks. He doesn't suck at football. Who the hell has said that? Who the hell has said Joe Burrow sucks at football? I'm really confused. Who said he wasn't tier one? I'm confused. He's top, he's top three in the NFL. I don't really think that's up for debate. I guess it. You can you can say Jalen Hurts. I don't want to say uh, I don't want to say Jalen Hurts isn't up there. But man, who said that? Who said he's not tier what? Man, crazy. But uh, yeah, that's all I've got for you today. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's is probably, is going to Houston. Looks like Sean Payton's going to the Denver. So we'll see how that all works out for for every team involved. But I think those are good hires. I think D'Amico Ryan's going to Houston's awesome. I think that's a very good hire. But uh, that's all I've got for you today. Didn't really think this show was that amazing, but you know what? It's getting posted regardless. So I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, leave a rating again out of five stars on both Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe and follow me on every single form of social media. And I will see you all later. Peace.